What's going on with Davion Thomas? And can the Utah Utes still win the Pac-12 without him? You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, everyone. Thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We do appreciate it. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Would love to interact with you guys in the YouTube comments as well as on social media. Today's episode is brought to you by SweatBlock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try SweatBlock. Save 20% with promo code Locked On at SweatBlock.com. Also available on Amazon. My name is JT Wichisil, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Excited to be joined on today's show by the Salt Lake Tribune's Josh Newman. And Josh, look, everything went Utah's way pretty much in their win over USC, but there was kind of something interesting. I noticed this kind of looking at the final stats of the game. Tavion Thomas only had 28 rushing yards. And if you would have told me going in, Tavion Thomas would only have 28 rushing yards and Utah would win, I would have been very surprised. But it just kind of shows you how this Utah team has kind of grown and changed over the course of the season. And something that's interesting with this Utah team is we don't know if Tavion Thomas is going to be a part of it going forward. There's some confusion and some things up in the air about that just because of the way some things played out on Saturday. So personally, I still feel this Utah team can win the Pac-12 if Tavion is not on this team going forward just because of the strides Cam has made as well as I've been encouraged by a couple of things I've seen from some of the running backs we'll talk about later in the show. But just in general, recapping the situation, Tavion did not come in on the final drive. That was all Makai Bernard. There was some reports, basically, I believe Bill Riley said over the air that Tavion had kind of left the sideline, but then there was a video of Tavion actually leaving the sideline earlier in the game, but there was actually a video of Tavion leaving the sideline once the final, just once the game went final, by then he had taken his pads off. You actually asked Coach Witt about it post-game. He said it was news to him. He wasn't really sure what was going on. We had a chance to talk to him yesterday as well, and that was where you asked him directly he was asked about the state of the running back room. He only talked about Makai Bernard, really. He said they liked a lot of guys there. Didn't mention Tavion. You asked him specifically about Tavion, and he said they're going to keep that internal at the moment, and they'll let us know if there's any major updates. But it's Tavion has been very active on Twitter the last few days, saying the truth's going to come out soon, and there's a lot of things going on. He, as soon as the game ended, he tweeted win as well. So it's just another kind of confusing situation going on with Tavion, a guy who obviously has been dealing with a lot this season, the passing of his aunt, but what did you think of Coach Witt's answer to your question yesterday about what Tavion's status is? Yeah, I mean, that didn't surprise me much. You know, Kyle Whittingham does not want to talk about injuries or disciplinary things unless he decides to start talking about injuries and disciplinary things. You know, I will ask those things every Monday. I'm going to keep asking those things. You know, you know, the answer is going to be, you know, usually pretty vanilla, but, you know, once in a while, he will dive into something. He won't, he won't show you his entire hand but he will address an injury, but he'll keep it vague. Or, you know, he's been willing to talk a little bit about Tavion in prior weeks and what the situation is. You know, he's used the words, you know, consistency and accountability. Uh, you, know, the, you know, those are the things that Tavion needs to be doing. But this has become a situation where, and you alluded to this, right? There's video evidence of him, you know, jersey on, pads off as the game ends on Saturday, hit, hit, him trotting off the field. Bill Riley said what he said. Um, again, as you alluded to, I asked Kyle Whittingham Saturday night about this. He pleaded ignorance. Uh, he goes on the ESPN 700 post game with Bill and Scott Mitchell uh, and Sly. 
Bill asks him very straightforward, what is Tavion's status? Kyle, you know, pleads ignorance again. And we get to Monday and, you know, they are essentially closing ranks in terms of this Tavion situation, uh, crypting, uh, excuse me, tweeting cryptically. That's not really helping the situation. So, you know, we'll see. I, th I thought the most telling thing yesterday, Monday was, uh, you know, somebody asked, what does the running back hierarchy look like? And Makai Bernard's name came up and nobody else, not Tavion Thomas, uh, not Jalen Glover, who's been at MIA for the last two games, uh, not Jaquindon Jackson. You know, the experiment with, uh, with Jaquindon at running back is not really, I don't want to say it's not panning out, but it's not producing much of anything. So what are you looking at in terms of your, of your running backs? All right, it's Makai Bernard. Uh, Cam Rising is now tied for second on the team in, in total carries. He has more rushing touchdowns, you know, than Tavion Thomas. So the running back situation, you know, we all thought that in August it would be this, you know, potentially this, you know, this four-headed monster of Tavion Thomas and Makai Bernard and Jalen Glover and Chris Curry. Well, Chris Curry's out for the year. And as I, as I said, Jalen Glover is a DNP, you know, the last two weeks. Tavion Thomas is, that situation is murky at best. So it's Makai Bernard and Cam Rising. So you essentially have one and a half running backs you know I, I don't think that's I don't think that's tenable long term but you know you listen to Kyle long enough and uh and thoughtfully enough yesterday Monday they seem pretty ready to go pass heavy uh or pass heavier than they have in past years right rising throws the ball 43 times against USC uh 415 yards passing so all right you know I've I've always kind of been of the notion that you don't want rising, slinging it all over the place. You want to stay run first, run heavy and take some of the pressure off rising. But for the first time, really in rising's career, you let him sling it all over the place and it went well. So, you know, a Thursday game in Pullman coming off the bye was already pretty intriguing, but now you have this new set of intrigue with, again, are you going to go past heavy? Like they passed the ball, 55% of the time against USC, which is a huge departure from what you normally are. So what are we looking at going into Washington state? That, that to me right now, as we move through this bye week that to me is the most interesting thing going into next week is how much are they going to let rise and throw it? Yeah, it is going to be interesting. It's something Cam said he feels very comfortable doing that in that opportunity. But as an offense, you like to be well-balanced, and that's what this Utah team wanted to be. They've been talking so much about adding the explosive element. You're able to do that with Dalton's big day. Money Parks had a monster catch yep. that helps set Utah for a big touchdown. But then the running game just isn't really there. Look, and they can turn to Cam in those short yard situations. He's incredibly effective in that regard. But just in general, it's a lot of times they run it on first down, and then you put yourselves in second and eight, second and nine. It's just not an ideal place to right. be if you are this offense and part of that is definitely on an offensive line that's really struggled the right side in particular Jaron Kump got I thought he got a little better as the king went on but there were a lot of rough spots especially early and in pass protection he still really struggled with some of those blitz pickups we know what Satawa's difficulties have kind of been but and even a guy in Paul Miley has been a, a little bit underwhelming I would even say as well and especially in the running game so it's just something this Utah team is going to have to figure out and work out but I mentioned that I feel like this Utah team can still win the Pac-12 without Tavion Thomas. What do you say to that? Yeah, I agree. I think, look, when Brand Keithy was injured, we really had to, I don't want to speak for everybody, I found myself kind of like taking stock again of like what this Utah team is, what this Utah team could be, because Keithy was such a large part of the offense, 
And I had talked myself into, okay, if Devon Bailey keeps producing and if Dalton Kincaid keeps producing and you can get something out of maybe another tight end or if Money Park starts to step up or another receiver, you can survive without Keithy. And they have, right? They've been playing increasingly you know, better, figuring things out without Keithy. So that situation has kind of steadied itself. But now you have this other situation where you have this you know, 1100 yard running back who, who is averaging, you know, 5.7, 5.9 yards a carry and is really taking a lot of the pressure off of rising and receivers. And, you know, not, as you said, not having to put Utah in, you know, uh, second and nine or, 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 or third and seven. Can they survive without Tavion Thomas? Yeah, probably. But more of an overarching point is, I really don't think you want rising, throwing the ball 43 times a game. I, I just don't think that is tenable over a larger sample size. Look, you did it against USC. Maybe you do it against Washington state, but at some point teams are going to start taking things away. I'm not saying that you have to have, you know, you don't have, you don't have to be running for 200, 220 yards a game. You don't have to do that, but you need some semblance of a rushing attack. And right now, you don't. Um, running backs, solely running backs against USC. I was just looking at it before we started this. Uh, 20 carries for 75 yards from your running backs. That doesn't include rising what he did with yeah. 11 carries. You cannot, you cannot keep having that little production from, from your running backs. Now, if you're going to have rising, if you are going to have rising throw that many times, are you still going to let him run it that many times by design? Like he had 11 carries. So 11 carries plus the 43 pass attempts, that's 54 touches. And he had a reception from Devon Valley where uh -huh. he took a hit out of bounds. So yeah. you're talking about, you ran 76 total plays and rising was in on 55 of those. That strikes me as just not conducive, untenable. If you think you can get back to a Rose Bowl, you don't want to, you don't want to be have, uh, excuse me, you don't want to have rising taking that many hits or taking that many risks or taking that many chances. You need some semblance, some semblance of a rushing attack, no matter what that looks like. Cause right now they really don't have anything. Yeah, you're right. This team has to learn how to be well balanced on offense. And you make another really good point, bringing up Brant Keithy, even because <laughs> going into the season, I don't think we ever would have said this Utah team could lose Brant Keithy and Tavion Thomas and still have a chance at a Pac-12 championship. It's just, yeah, I think a lot of people feel optimistic because you're coming off a win against the seventh ranked team in the nation, but that right. is at home as well. So it's hard. And it's got, it's just a lot of things you have to quantify and figure out. And it's why it's, this Utah team is very lucky to have the buy at this moment as well. I feel like to be able to figure a lot of things out, especially defensively and kind of move forward from there and see what they can do we're going to talk about specifically if Tavion isn't a part of this team who else needs to step up in that running back room in just a moment but first I want to talk to you guys about sweat block guys sweat block does a really good job keeping you guys protected in those difficult situations, whether you're ever out on a date or in any kind of environment, sweat block is there to help make sure you guys can keep all of that in. Just look at what happened to Chris. Chris suffered from excessive underarm sweat for 10 years. He was so worried about sweating through his dress shirt that he started tucking maxi pads in his shirt to soak up sweat until he found sweat block. 
Sweat Block changed the game for him. And Sweat Block can change the game for you guys as well. Make sure you guys head over and get Sweat Block so you can keep all of that extra sweat in and make sure you're looking like your best self, whether it's in a big interview that you're feeling high pressure in on a date, any kind of situation, make sure you guys head over to Sweat Block where Sweat Block was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is a doctor created and doctor recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, dry Sweat Block. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com, also available on Amazon. Once again, that's locked on, capital L, space, and capital O and on. So head over to Sweat Block today and get your own Sweat Block. So, Josh, looking at this running back room, we already talked about Mackay Bernard a little bit. And I thought he had, I mean, honestly, it might have been his best run of the season on that one touchdown run he scored. I thought he displayed phenomenal vision. The jump cut was fantastic, bouncing it to the outside there and getting over there. If Tavion is no longer with this team, I would expect us to see more. I'll say Jalen Glover. I think Jalen Glover comes back into the fold, gets a couple carries. Mackay Bernard is not someone to me that would you give the ball to 25 times on the ground a game. And I don't even know if Tavion's that, but Tavion is these, that bigger, more physical physical back he can handle a workload of 20 plus carries I don't know if Makai is that kind of back just because of his size and frame but I do think you factor in a Jalen Glover get him a little bit of growth and hopefully that's something they can work with him on the bye week I think one of the biggest reasons we haven't seen him as of recently is because of some of those issues with vision I feel like he's missed a couple holes and opportunities and when you get some more reps hopefully in that maybe some more film study he can come back in and do that we talked about Jaquindon there's not a lot of running back experience there there's a big difference between scrambling and design quarterbacks as runs as well than what he's been asked to do as a running back as well and we saw the opportunity he got on Friday just running that quick little route to the outside he had a drop unfortunately on that pass so it's an interesting situation for this Utah team who coming into the season you talked about the four-headed monster felt like this group was loaded now is very much an unknown but if we don't see Tavion I think we'll see a lot of a lot more Makai even than we've already seen and a lot, he'll be the guy on those drives as he was in the game winning one against USC and I really think we'll see Jalen Glover with a sprinkle of Jaquindon Jackson mixed in. I think for starters, I think you're going to continue to see a heavy, do- well, a reasonably, a reasonable dose. We'll say that a reasonable dose uh, of Cam Rising still. Sure. Because again, Kyle has said I think twice now that they are comfortable with Rising running the ball between eight and twelve times a game. That means either by design on a keeper or if he's scrambling out of the pocket trying to make something happen. So you're gonna you're gonna keep seeing. Mm-hmm. design runs for rising Makai Bernard is your most versatile running back I agree with you you don't want to be giving it to him 20 23 times a game that's not who he is but you can give it to him 10 times 12 times mm-hmm. and he's going to pass protect he's far and away the best the best pass pro guy mm-hmm. out of the backfield and he's also got the best hands of any running back on the roster we've seen that time and time again He's very shorthanded coming out of the backfield. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this offense, the, the best version of this offense includes Tavion Thomas. Mm-hmm. If you're not going back to Tavion Thomas in an expanded role, Makai Bernard makes the most sense just, you know, based on where we are, what the room looks like, uh, what he is capable of, his experience. He's obviously got a ton of experience, certainly more than Jalen Glover certainly more than, you know, um, uh, Jaquindon Jackson. So um, it's a bit of a crapshoot right now. I mean, look, they're going to go through the bye. Um, you know, Kyle said on Monday that, you know, they don't, you know, they're going to look at things. They're going to consider their options. 
they don't really have to make any like firm decisions until look, we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, I don't think they're like going back to full bore, like physical practice until I think Thursday or Friday, it might be Friday, but anyway, they're not making any firm decisions until Friday. They'll take a look at things. They'll go into game week, but if it's not Tavion Thomas, I mean, I think Mackay Bernard makes the most sense for, again, all the reasons that I listed. Yeah, I love that you brought up Cam Rising as well, because every time this team needs a critical third down or a critical fourth down, that's who they turn to to let him just keep the ball. And it's so nice when you can have a Mackay Bernard in there. They've done it with Tavion a couple times as well. And just have him basically be an extra lead blocker just gives you an extra number when you usually see a crowded box in those situations. So I think it is great that we're going to see more Cam. And I, I'm glad about it, too, because he is such an effective runner of the football. He had a situation in this game where I believe it was like a fourth and one around midfield. A linebacker met him a, a deep a yard to almost two yards before he got the first down and he carried him across the line because he's just that strong and that powerful. So I'm someone I'm okay with more carries for camp. You know, that's fine. I think if I don't have it in front of me, I think that was like a fourth and two or was a it fourth. Yeah. I think it was like fourth and two and like okay. he took a hit reach for the yard. And like, that's what he does. Like, I agree with you. It seems like every time there's like a fourth and manageable or a fourth and one fourth and two, you know, everybody in the building knows where it's going, right? Like they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Like it's going to rising on a design and more times than not, he's going to pick that up. Um, again, with, you know, with him, you never want to put your quarterback in a, in a dangerous situation or a situation where he's going to get hurt. I don't know. Like the more times he, the more times he carries the ball, and the more times that he does not slide, okay, he really does not okay. slide a ton. He was, Has he slid this year? He, <laughs> he slid <laughs> and, uh, I think he slid at UCLA and like the whole like Utah press contingent was like, whoa, like yeah. breaking news, he actually slid. Um, but no, but like to further that point, like he, you know, he's a gamer. He wants to, to take on defenders. He wants to find extra yards. But like every time he takes off in the open field, that is another like kind of hold your breath moment where like you don't want your quarterback to get hurt mm -hmm. on a run in the open field but you know he's he's tough he's a gamer like he's he's taking some hits uh thought I thought Kyle made an interesting point on Monday uh, you know we were talking about you know Cam and running and you know and, and how many touches per game and he said you know Cam is doing a better job of you know absorbing contact and not just like running like full steam ahead into a defender you know, he's certainly not leading with his head or anything. So, um, you know, maybe I'm old school. Like I, I, I like my quarterback to, to not take off so many times, but you know, this is, this is who the quarterback is. This is the player he is. You know, Kyle has said time and time again, that they trust him with the ball. They trust him to make decisions and, you know, he's been terrific. Um, he's probably putting together at this point, a better season than he had last year. And last year he was really, really good. Um, and, you know, he's, he seems to, you know, be taking a step forward here. Like we saw what he did against USC with all the pass attempts, you know, threw for over 400 for the first time in his career. He's putting together a very, very good season for Utah. Yeah, he is putting together a fantastic season. You mentioned him being a smart runner as well, not really lowering the helmet, taking those extra hits and risks as well. Did level one. I know for a fact he leveled one person on that reception he had from Devon. He yeah. actually destroyed a cameraman out of bounds. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. No, he, he did. Uh, the thing with the, like the reception is like, I understand like you're trying to something different, you know, let's, you know, let's try and catch him off guard. Like, you know, you're, you're throwing it to your quarterback. 
he he took a hit out of bounds. That was uh, that was quite a moment and a really and a really good throw from Devon Bailey too. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, he yeah, threw a fantastic down. delivery from Devon on that one, as you highlighted as well. And you know, we we talked about this win for Utah a little bit here now, and we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about we talked about the running back room. We're gonna talk about just the significance of what the win for Utah as a program means going forward versus USC in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about LinkedIn Talent Solution. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Guys, I use LinkedIn all the time still to be able to network and keep in touch with friends. And there are tons of great candidates available and out there for you to look into on LinkedIn. Make sure you guys head over and add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions may apply. So make sure you guys head over to LinkedIn to cash in on some great candidates. Also, I want to talk to you guys about intercap lending. There is a reason no lender helps more families in Utah with their mortgage needs. Intercap gets deals done. Quick and simple process. Intercap closes loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And though fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process. And that is what Locked On's personal loan officer, Steve Carter, has delivered to hundreds of Locked On listeners, including Locked On's founder, David Locke. And especially with the jazz season getting ready to get going here, if Steve can help keep David on track through the entire process. Steve can help anyone. And though Intercap is new to the Locked On Utes podcast, it's not new to assisting customers with their mortgage needs. They've been doing so since 1978. That's 43 years of experience. And Steve Carter has been providing Locked On listeners with the best experience since 2018. Intercap is headquartered here in Utah, but licensed to help with all of your mortgage needs in 40 states. Give Steve a call. His direct number is 385-800-8528. You will not find a more responsive loan officer. NMLS number is 190465. So make sure you guys head over to www.intercaplending.com or give Steve a call and check out Intercap Lending. So Josh, jumping back into this, Utah picked up a huge win, saved their season against USC. And I think that's the biggest thing is it keeps this season alive. But in a season where you're not going to the college football playoff, you even, it's still, things have to still break right for this Utah team in a couple ways. I mean, win out, you still have an opportunity to get in too, but I think it also depends on what some of these other teams, how they take care of business if you make the Pac-12 championship. So for this Utah team, I think long-term, you can still look at back on this season and say you beat the seventh ranked team in the country in your place at home, a big time environment, a big time event with so much unknown about conference realignment still and future homes potentially for Utah as well. As they've said, they're committed to the Pac-12, but I mean, that's what they're going to say until anything actually officially happens. We're not going to hear about it till a press release comes out about what Utah's move is going to be. I think this was a massive win for this Utah team as their program going forward is something we can look back on and they can be like, hey, look at this team. Another year that a top ranked team came into Rice-Eccles and they fell and it proves what this Utah program is capable, even in a year where it's been a little bit of a disappointment to this point. Yeah, you know, they've had a lot of moments, this program in the last, you know, calendar, well, in the last 12 or 13 months, there's been a lot of moments where, you know, Utah was on a national stage and perform well mm-hmm. in front of that audience. Uh, you know, both Oregon games last year, 
one of you know the first one was when Oregon was ranked number three. That was on East Coast prime time. Uh, you know, the second game was obviously the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, you know, the Rose Bowl. You know, you have this one against, as you said, the seventh ranked team in the country. USC has a lot of a lot of juice right now, right? With Lincoln Riley, you know, they're going through a, a major transition. They're turning back into a national brand. This game was on uh, Fox National, right? Broadcast TV, East Coast primetime again. Uh, the TV numbers came out earlier today. Uh, 2.7 million people uh, nationwide watched that game. So these are, you know, these are big moments for, you know, for Utah football. Uh, and once upon a time, Utah football was not getting this type of, um, of national notoriety. You know, you could talk about, you know, going all the way back to the days when Utah was in the WAC and even the Mountain West. And quite frankly, even, you know, the first five or six years of Utah's existence in the Pac-12 from 2011 to probably like 2017, you know, certainly there were moments, right? The 2015 team, you know, won 10 games. They've been on college game day a few times, but this is, in some ways, this is sort of like a golden era of Utah football because there has never been this much attention on Kyle Whittingham's program. Again, the two Oregon games, the Rose Bowl, even the game at Florida, that was, you know, a, a game with a lot of national attention with Utah being ranked number seven. People were talking college football playoffs. So a lot of attention was on that game. And a lot of attention was on this one, obviously. And, you know, you're looking at a, at a four-team race right now to get to the Pac-12 championship game, right? It's, it's, it's Utah, USC, UCLA, Oregon. You know, the more Utah keeps winning and, you know, they win, they stay in this race to get to Vegas, to get to the Pac-12 championship game. They're ranked number 15. All these things are contributing to, you know, uh, furthering the brand, you know, furthering Utah football's uh, notoriety. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you can't underrate, no, excuse me, you can't overstate what that win Saturday against USC did for Utah football because USC is one of the biggest brands in all of college athletics. Um, so yeah, it's uh, interesting times for Utah football. Just just how much the again the brand and the notoriety, how how much those two things have grown here inside the last like twelve or thirteen months. Yeah, it is something. I mean, going into the season, you mentioned just how highly ranked seventh preseason wise. There were teams that a lot of people, myself included, <laughs> that picked Utah to go to the college football playoff early on in the season. That no, no, that didn't come to fruition, but it just shows you the fact that people were predicting that to happen shows you how high they are on this Utah team. And even though they're going to fall short of that goal, still have an opportunity to go back to the Rose Bowl and repeat as Pac 12 champions as well in the Pac 12 championship. And Josh's team, this talking about this current team, they're at an interesting point right now in their season because you're coming off a huge win, but there are major issues defensively with this team. Keely in the pass rush department. I think offensively you're encouraged by how the passing game and seeing that explosive element of the offense come to light. But we just spent this entire show talking about the issues in the running game as well. So it's just an interesting point for this Utah team. I like what we've seen from the secondary as well. Overall, I mean, there's still been a couple coverage busts, but I mean, I asked RJ Hubert about it yesterday. It's just really hard to hold up for five plus seconds in coverage. And that's something that they've unfortunately had to do right now. So during this bye week do you think the Utes are going to be able to fix some of these issues that have plagued them? Cause in some ways I think they can, sure up on a couple of the coverage busts hopefully the offensive line can play a little bit better but it feels like each week I've come on the show and been like oh there's a simple mistake here they'll be able to fix that and they haven't been able to so there's a number of concerns with this Utah team that I am nervous about that has me questioning if they will be able to be able to repeat as Pac-12 champions I think they'll have a chance to but I'm really not sure right now you know I wrote after UCLA right UCLA was game six mm -hmm. so they were at the midway point they gave up 
uh, 5'11 to UCLA's offense. And at the time, I was like, look, this is a pretty big sample size, right? We're midway through a season. This defense probably is what it is mm-hmm. at this point. You know, you could try to tweak things. You could try to wholesale change whatever you need to do, personnel, whatever. But at some point, like, you are what you are, right? You're six games in. And then, you know, against USC, kind of, you know, the first half was, you know, the first half was bad, right? They yeah. gave up they gave up 556 for the night. I think in the first quarter alone, there were like seven or eight chunk plays from USC's offense. Like it was bad. And I kind of went back to look, you, you know, you are what you are, right? We're seven games in now, and this is still happening. But then you look at it a little closer. All right, the second half was a lot better for Utah's defense. In the second half, they only gave up, I think, 192. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Williams was, I was, I was looking at it today. Caleb Williams, I think in the second half was you know, it was nine of 15 for, I think, 112. So you really did like a markedly better job in the second half. And now we come to this situation where, you know, you are a little bit at a crossroads. You know, you have this season-saving wit against USC. Uh, things are still in front of you. As you alluded to, the college football playoff is off the table. But getting back to a Rose Bowl is still very much a possibility. Mm-hmm. So what are we looking at when we get to Pullman? in uh in nine days here on october 27th um was that second half defensively was that an anomaly uh did morgan scally figure some things out on the fly and and now things are are going to be working i don't think you can fix everything over the course of a bye week or or one week or a week of preparation i still i still lean towards you know for the most part, I, th- I think they are what they are. I, you know, we're seven games in and, you know, this is what you are. Um, but the good news is I think the offense is dynamic enough to, to win a shootout. You know, you don't want to be winning every game 43, 42. Um, I think Washington state specifically, I, I think Cam Ward their you know, their quarterback uh, transfer from uh, incarnate word cam ward is like a, a high end type of, like like dual athlete you know he's not anthony richardson he's not caleb williams he's not dtr but cam ward can really play yes the more i've you know i've I've watched washington state two or three times now their personnel around ward don't stack up to what ward is like ward is so head and shoulders above the receivers that he's dealing with that like it's going to be tough for washington state to win a game i think if this defense can figure out you know set the edge and keep Cam Ward in the box and, and make him beat you through the air. Don't let him go crazy with his legs. I think Utah is like, again, like markedly better than what Washington state can offer, but this is the pac 12. Okay. It's going to be a Thursday night off a of bye. you're in Pullman. The weather might be funky. Washington state's a difficult place to play anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I remember when the schedule came out in January, you know, everybody circled USC, right? Because it's USC, it's yep. Lincoln Riley, the whole thing. But then you look like behind USC, this is like a sneaky, tough, trappish type of type of game. Like this would be, this is like a quintessential Pac-12 after dark type of scenario where, right, Utah, uh, conference power, title contending, you know, walking into a difficult environment. It's, it's, it's not going to be easy. Utah is better. But I think you have to take the atmosphere and the potential weather and the weirdness into account for sure. 
And that's what's nice that this Utah team has a bye before that game, because if you're yeah. talking about you have to come down from the highs of a win like that, storm the field, all that went into that, and that's not even talking about the Tavion Thomas stuff. If this game was on this Thursday night, that would be incredibly difficult to overcome. It'd be tough. And this is like a weird bye, too, because like you played USC, you get the full, you know, you, you get the full week, yeah. but then you have to come back on a Thursday. So it's not even like, and Kyle said this Saturday night, uh, he said it a number of times, actually. The schedule is wonky because, yeah, you get the buy, but you're not even getting the full buy because you still have to prep on a short game week. That means you're flying Wednesday and you're playing Thursday. It's just very weird. And, you know, nobody at Utah has a say in what the schedule looks like, right? Like nobody's asking Kyle Whittingham's opinion of like, when do you want to play? But I, I, I do find it weird that the, you know, that the league is sending the reigning champion, you know, on the road. Well, not – not so much on the road, but on a Thursday. You're right. It's a weird. Oh, it just feels very weird that the league would, that the league would put the reigning champion in that position. But you know, these things are largely for TV, and there's revenue involved. And yeah, you would like your reigning conference champion on a standalone game on a Thursday night in prime time. So from that end, I do understand. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario for this Utah team, and it's going to be exciting to see how it plays out, as well as the rest of the season going forward. Josh, appreciate you jumping on and joining us. What are a couple of things you have coming up with the Tribune? Uh, I've, so today is Tuesday. I've got a little thing on Tavion Thomas on sltrib.com right now. Uh, we've got the bi-weekly, uh, Utes mailbag on Wednesday, which, uh, leads off with Tavion Thomas. Duh, shocker. Um, <laughs> I've got another thing Thursday about the defense and then Friday per usual, uh, the tribute newsletter will hit your inbox. If you are subscribed, if you're not subscribed, uh, sltrib.com slash tribute to get the newsletter each Friday morning. Make sure you guys head over to get in on that newsletter. Make sure you guys subscribe to the Tribune as well to get more Josh's content and go over and give Josh a follow on Twitter. Also at Josh Newman. Did I get the, did I get the Twitter handle right? Josh at Joshua underscore Newman for, for the Twitter handle. There we go. Usually I have the cheat of it being up, but I have to go off. <laughs> no worries. Appreciate Josh for coming on once again. If you guys are in the market for a second listen, make sure you guys head over and check out the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. Host Spencer McLaughlin has you covered there. Fun account, ton con, ton of great content coming out there right now, as well as stuff talking about the Utes as well, because this is a very much in the race to win the Pac-12 too. So make sure you guys head over there, check out Locked On Pac-12 and all the fun stuff Spencer has going on there. Appreciate you guys for tuning in to Locked On Utes. Still have some fun stuff coming up for you the rest of the bye week. But once again, hope you guys all enjoy your day and we'll see you tomorrow on Locked On Utes.